And this, would be, this is the, was the phrase, and I heard some people question that. Do you know for certain that you have eternal life? Or is that something you are still working on? We're not suggesting that you're working your way into eternal life. What we're doing is, is we're, we're fast-tracking. We're making a shortcut to see if there's a works righteousness understanding, a faith plus works understanding. That's the goal of that question. That question is not designed to, to see if you're still working, to see if you're right before, no, no. So again, in a format like this, you, you could be left with something like that and then you're in your group and you go, oh, what did he really mean? That we're wor- Are you really working toward, no. Because we would clear that up in that class because it'll be interactive in the class. So you would say, well, what do you mean working on it? Well, for, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Because often you'll hear, and, and for the guys, it, it happens often in the fellowship hall, Joe will hear people respond, I'm, I'm still kind of working on it. Well, that lets you know where they're at. That whatever aspect of faith, and we can believe that it's of grace, once we mix a little of the works in, it, it becomes an issue. And then that is that pre-qualified question that allows us to get in to ask a few deeper questions, to get them to a place of real deep understanding. Because even people that, that believe, let me make this clear, even people that believe that they've been saved by grace, which I'm sure all of you do, many of us, certainly at different times, think that we are held in that grace by the spiritual sweat of our brow. And you say, well, I've never thought that. You haven't? I mean, think through. If you're having a really, really, really good day, a good week or even a good month, you've, you've really hit your devotions, you're leading your family spiritually, you haven't missed a service, you're plugged in with your time, talent, and your treasure, aren't you expecting that God is going to look favorably upon you? Well, it's just inherent in our hearts. We, we would think that. That God is, is happy with the way that I'm living. He's pleased with the way that I'm living. And then when you flip that on its head and you say, okay, I've had a few bad days or a bad week or a bad month, you have a tendency to think that maybe something then happens in your life and you go, I knew it. I knew it. God was, was upset at me. We have to be very careful in understanding the gospel. That, 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 that there is no place for that in the gospel. God cannot love you anymore then he loves you right now in Christ because you're his. God cannot judge you ever again, for now there is no condemnation. Romans 8.1, however, if you're having a bad day, week, month, or year, depending on what bad that is that you're doing, you will be disciplined by God. And what can waver? What can waver in your faith? Your, your understanding of your acceptance you, you, that will waver in your heart. You're, you're, you, you feel that. You know that you're his, but you have a tendency to sense that, man, I just feel far from him. Why? Because you are. Because you've drifted. Those are, those are, that's okay. You're not far from him. You've never, you're, you, in his mind, you're his and you're locked in. But from, our, from a human perspective, we can feel that God is distant. Because we've moved. He never does and he never wavers. So back to that question. What we're trying to identify if somebody has a, a works 
related understanding to the gospel. And there, there are millions that do, okay? And they're everywhere. So that's a pre-evangelism question. But back to the point. Doing it this way makes it hard. In a, in a workshop, we run through it. It's two and a half hours and you're done and you have it all. Okay, you ready? So we're moving into our f- section here, our final section on this until we get to really inter- interactive next week. Top four objection questions. Remember we talked about objections? When in the past the goal in evangelism explosion was for you to get away from objections. There's a whole chapter on how to get it. Because if you're dealing with an objection, you're not evangelizing. What is evangelism? You have to give them the content of the gospel. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 15? He says that what I received, I passed on to you. That Jesus Christ died for our sins, was crucified according to the scriptures, was dead and buried. He was raised again on the third day according to the scriptures. Okay, That's the gospel. When you're not on the gospel, you're not evangelizing. So the, the formula for EE was simple. Get away from the objections. You, you not only can't get away from the objections, you should be bringing them up. That's the key because they're there. There's no elephant in the room anymore. They're just everywhere. And you need to deal with objections. So we're just giving you a couple of the top ones that I deal with. And again, this is just for you to be strengthened in your understanding of communicating. If God is good, why is there so much bad in the world? Is that a legitimate question for someone to ask? Of course it is. Of course it's a legitimate question for anyone to ask. It's a legitimate question for a Christian to ask at some level. Certainly when you're young in your faith, I don't understand. If, if God is good, and you tell me God is sovereign, and you tell me God is all-powerful. You know, there's, 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 there's the framework, and, and I don't want to get too deep on it. If, if, if Either God can't be all good if there's so much bad, or God can't be what? All-powerful because there's nothing to do about it. Well, no, we, we don't believe that. Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. We have to get back to that understanding of why there is evil, pain, and suffering in the world. And that's why our formula, we go back to the beginning. In the beginning, there was no evil, pain, and suffering. All good, right? Thumbs up. And then in the fall of man, we have thumbs down. We have all bad. And what happened? Sin entered into... Now, sin was here, right? We had sin that had come out of the rebellion in heaven of the fallen angels. We're not going to get into that right now. But we have sin in the garden, tempting man. Man falls, and now we have this this catastrophic, as Darcy Sproul would say, plunge. Everything is broken, but God makes this promise. but, But notice the promise. Here, let me give you something. Notice the promise. He's speaking to the serpent. And he condemns the serpent. Not even speaking to Adam and Eve. He's speaking to the serpent. And he, and he passes no judgment on man yet. But he speaks the first gospel. And he says, you, you will strike his heel. Pause. Let me finish. And he'll, he'll crush your head. Does that clear up any questions on why there's evil, pain, and suffering? Even the perfect God-man is going to deal with evil, pain, and suffering. God says it in the first gospel promise 
that you're going to strike his heel. Jesus then, all throughout the Old Testament, we see it confirmed over and over and over again, right? We see that the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent are in conflict. And where do we see that lived out virtually immediately based on the trajectory of the scriptures from chapter 3 to 4? The firstborn murders the secondborn. The seed of the serpent, Cain, slays the seed of the woman, Abel. Yes? So there it is. So you have that right from the beginning. You have the God's unfolding and progressive plan of redemption. You see this divine drama being lived out. And you see this promise of evil, pain, and suffering. So what I like to do is... Try to figure out where their heart is first, because sometimes it's somebody who's really had a bad situation. They lost a loved one suddenly, something really bad, so you want to be very careful there. Their hearts are crushed. But it it gets us back to that understanding of, of, of the beginning. Either in the beginning God or in the beginning goo, and if you have in the beginning goo, then there's no way to explain evil, pain, and suffering. How, how, I don't know how to explain it. But we have a worldview that explains it. I think Lewis gives a really great quote. If you've never read some of his classic works, the problem of pain is critical. If you're doing any ministry at all, the problem of pain is just outstanding. God whispers to us in our pleasure, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Think about it in your own personal life. If you didn't have any pain, would you spend a lot of time thinking about Jesus? I don't know. I certainly think about him more when there's pain. And I'm dealing with some kind of pain all the time because something's happening in somebody's family. That's a powerful quote. But that's a legitimate objection, yes? The next, and that's the number one. That's what you, so you want to you spend a little time working through that one. That one comes up all the time. And remember this. This is probably the best response that, that I've ever been able to come up with. Why did this happen, and why did this happen, and why did this happen? Why did that tsunami wipe out those thousands of people, the earthquake? Go down the list. The tornado that just came. Why? My response is really simple. And and it's not shallow or short-ended. It's really meant to minister at a heart level. I don't know why. I don't know the answer. But I know what the answer cannot be. It cannot be that he doesn't love us, and the cross proves that. That's all. You're able to get them to a place where they can see a God that died for them. God sent his son to die. I don't know why. I don't know why. Gosh, I wish I did know. So, so much evil pain. I don't know. But I know what the answer can't be. It can't be that he doesn't love us. And the cross proves that. That helps a lot of people. What about the person who never heard of Jesus? That's a legitimate. Right? You, and, and often that one is just one of those that it's an insincere objection. What about the person in that third world country out in the truck? The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. That's in the Lord's hands. He'll figure out what all that means. Okay, there's, God wrote two books, right? He wrote two books. The one that's in your hands, right in the pew, and the one that's out there, the book of nature. Right, that's called natural revelation. And and the Bible says what? Everyone knows there's a God. Well, I don't believe in God. That's fine. You don't have to believe in it. You don't have, you can say anything you want, but you know that. You know that. And the reason that we know everyone knows and is suppressing the truth is everyone is an image bearer of God. 
So we know when they say that they don't know and they refuse, they, we, they're suppressing it. Romans 1, they suppress the truth. So here it is, ready? The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth. They suppress it. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain. So the question would be, okay, is that person who doesn't know about Jesus yet, is that person living for the glory of God? Most, any reports that I've ever heard, and certainly any research that I've done, the answer is no. We're living for all sorts of other things. Yet, Paul says that God's revelation is clear to everyone. Everyone is with what? Go to the bottom, so that people are without excuse. You're going to be held responsible to the level of the revelation upon which you have been given. That's the bottom line. So people who have been sitting in church week after week, month after month, year after year, you can be held responsible for that level of revelation if for whatever reason you, you have not come to Christ. You have not bowed your, your knee, your heart, and your soul to Jesus. So that's a legitimate question, right? What about the person who's never heard? That's number two. Here's one. This is, this is good, and I have a great comeback for this. <clears throat> so this is probably helpful, I hope. Is Jesus the only way? You know John 14, 6? I like to kind of startle him. So I'll ask him, well, I'll, I'll say this. Instead of giving him a question on this one, I'll just make a statement. There is another way. Because people are just, they're really upset. Just put it up, Dan. People are really upset that, um, that Jesus is the only way. It doesn't make any sense. So we, we tell them there is one. You don't have to be concerned about Jesus at all. You don't like Jesus. You have no interest in Jesus. That's fine. There was a time I didn't either. Remember feel, felt, found? I used to feel that way. Felt that when I found out this. So what's the other way? Real simple. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Then now you've connected a heart level because what's your response? Ouch. Nobody's perfect. Okay. Okay. Now can we talk? You ask for another way. There is another way. Well, nobody's perfect. Okay. Can we talk? Okay, you got my attention now, Pastor. Go ahead. Now we can talk. You're trying to just connect and keep the conversation going. So instead of saying, Jesus is the only way, which is true. If it's not, then there is, then what we believe isn't true. He says it's true. And remember, it's not just what he said. All of that, 1,500 years, right? Nod your heads. 1,500 years of Old Testament, Jewish Old Testament history. Right? Remember Abraham the call? Genesis 12. 1,500 years? What did all that point to? It, it pointed to the need of a Savior. The entire sacrificial system, what did it point to? What were they sacrificing for? Something was wrong with their vertical relationship with God. God was putting on display what? I'm, 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 I'm angry. I'm angry at sin, and I'm angry at sinners. And you're a sinner. And you're not going to come to me. Apart from a sacrifice. So when John the Baptist says what? Behold the Lamb of God. How in the world is, is, is it possible for this guy, this Jewish Baptist, and, and, and he was Baptist, Baptist. Not a Presbyterian, he's a Baptist. How does this Baptist come up with that? Obviously this divine inspiration, but why would he even say it? He understood 1,500 years of Jewish What? history. Behold the Lamb of God. Every lamb pointed to this lamb. Every sacrifice pointed to this sacrifice. Either it's true or it's not. 
There's nothing in between. So either Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, or he isn't. And then what we believe isn't true. But it's always better. Well, there is another way. Just get it all right. Well, nobody has, well, then how in the world, if there is a God, and the God is a perfect being, how do you connect with perfection? Imperfection can't. So how does perfection connect? Well, I don't have that. I, I, correct. How do we get it? I don't know. Good. Now can we talk? Because there's someone who is perfect for you. There's somebody who is ready to give that perfection to you. Okay? You see it? So, and just know that this one here, this one brings some hostility. This, this narrow religious worldview. But just remember, all worldviews are what? Narrow. The Buddhist has a final way to get to what? Right? To get to the end goal. The Hindu has a final plan. The Muslim has a final Everyone has a final plan. So every religious worldview is what? Narrow. It's just Christianity takes the hit. And we take it hard. But every single worldview is narrow. The Buddhist doesn't go the way of the Hindu. How do we know? Kadama Buddha was a Hindu. And he renounced the faith of his fathers and founded Buddhism. So we know they're not all the same. He was a Hindu. So, is Jesus the only way? I don't know. And then here's another one. Here's another, again, you probably have your own five that you've been dealing with. Here's one. I'm a good person. Isn't being good good enough? You see the scriptures there for that. By the works of the law, no one will be justified. Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. That's back to Joe Miller's question. Now, that's where this ties in. Are you, are you, are you sure that you have eternal life? If you were to stand before God, are you sure? You, or is that something you're still working on? That comes to this objection. Yes, I'm working on it. I'm a fairly good person. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm trying. Okay, that's a good thing. Keep trying. That's a good, but you're not going to get in on your try. You're not going to get in on your good works, but keep doing that. That's a good thing. We're not renouncing good works. Good works are good. You were created in Christ Jesus in, in advance to do what? The good works God ordained for you to do, but you're not getting in on that. So, no, good enough. I think it was Steve Brown wrote a book. When good enough isn't, it just isn't okay Francis Schaeffer how should we then live how now shall we live the Lord sent him out ready two by two here's what I think when we get to the workshops and how we do it that's we'll pair up so next week we'll do a little bit of this we'll pair up and we'll start a conversation using our relational starter ready now we're going to just review a few things you should have all of your own things too that you feel that work but what was our number one relational starter question? Is there anything I can pray for you in your life right now? Right? What is a prayer request? A prayer request identifies a need. You have the solution to the need. And my God will meet all of your needs in the glorious riches of Christ Jesus. Just remember, and we've said it in, earlier in the program. Let me remind you. You'll, you'll, this is not uncommon now. This happens more now today than it did five years ago to me. Is there anything I could pray for you for? What God do you pray to? Don't, and I've said this to you, don't say, I pray to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one true living God. Don't do that. Might as well have just started, you're a sinner in need of a Savior. 
So when somebody asks you, what God do you pray to? Is that true? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one true living God? Of course it is. The creator and sustainer of all things? Yes. But what God do you pray to? The God that transformed my life. The one that changed me and is still changing me from the inside out. Let me tell you about him. Because as soon as you go the other way, boom, you've shut it. And that's what they're looking for. They're looking for you to tell them that their gods are wrong and, and, and you're standing. And I knew you were going to do it because I know you're a Christian. I know what you all do. No, 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 no. Let me tell you about the God that changed me. So it's always good to be working. In, and that's what we do in the workshop, that we're working in pairs so that we can be connecting and doing this. Is there anything? It is the greatest relational starter. I can't, I don't remember the last time that there was ever hostility, even on that, well, what God do you pray to? It's, often that's a sincere question. They don't know who I am. I'm not wearing a badge says I'm a Christian. Can I pray for you? Who, who, who do you pray to? I, I, I pray to the God that transformed my life. Sure, I, I love you. Let me tell you what's going on in my life or with my mother or father or kids or whatever, okay? So there's the two by two. There's the relational starter. There's only a couple more and we're done. Number one, pre, listen, <laughs> David said it tonight. We were talking for a few minutes. Almost everything that you're doing is pre-evangelism. You understand? You, 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 you can't get to the gospel. You can. You can say anything you want on the front end, but, but I'm telling you, the easiest way to communicate with people is it's pre-evangelism. You're, you're pre-evangelizing. This, this was Schaefer's understanding of the gospel. We have to be able to get to a place of understanding before we actually give them what? Remember, there's three aspects of saving faith. You have to have the notitia. You've got to have that knowledge. You've got to have that, what's, what is the content? There's content. Remember that, Cameron, last week? Yes, you do. We went through the content of the gospel. There's a formula for that, and we use 1 Corinthians 15. Christ crucified, died according to the scriptures, dead and buried, raised on the third day according to the scriptures. With content. Then you have belief. You, you, you have to send to it, a census, that's the Latin. So we have belief. There's content and belief. But we said that's not enough because James says even the demons believe and they shudder. So we have to have one more thing. What was that, Cameron? Trust. You've got to be able to trust. You transfer your trust to the object of your faith. So everything that you're doing before you get there is pre-evangelism, okay? So here's, here's the key. Here's the one that I think works for me. Ever thought about what happens after we die? What didn't we bring up? We didn't bring up Jesus for sure. That, that's not a good thing to do at the beginning. We didn't bring up God. We just, you ever thought about what happens after you die? I can't believe the conversations that come out of that. Okay, so, and then we have what? We've got a couple of scripture references that make sense. God has said eternity. Why? Well, I don't think there's anything. Well, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You can deny it, but you do. There's eternity in your heart. You know that. You, something inside of you says, this can't be it. It can't end. I don't just go to sleep when it's, it, it can't. And then we know what? It's appointed that a man wants to die, and then the judgment. Okay? Gospel presentation. Ready? Everyone together, all good, all bad, all paid, okay, got it. Now, you're not going to go down the street, you get in the restaurant and call somebody over and say, listen, everything's all good, all bad, all paid, we're ready to pray. These are anchors for you. 
all good. What was good? Everything was good. In the beginning, God created everything, and what did he give a stamp of approval over? Everything. Even humanity. Even the physical. Physical world isn't, isn't something for us to escape. The physical world is a good world. It's God's created world. Everything was perfect. Perfect. But then something went wrong. What was it? The perfect man and woman turned away from God. And everything went bad. And we talk about that. And then we can go to Romans Road. Right? For all of sin, for Romans 3.23. For all of sin to fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin, 6.23, is death. But 5.8, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So there's, there's, that, there's, that, there's that formula that we can rule. It's, it's bad. We're dead. And we have the promise of pain and suffering right in the first gospel presentation. Because we know that the Savior is going to have to deal with what? His heel being struck. So we can't expect any less. And then we get to this formula that tells us what? Something happened on your behalf. It was paid for. All that sin, all that stuff, it's paid. And then we get to the final piece. Would you, remember, you have to ask the question. Would you like to receive the free gift of eternal life right now? Commitment question closed. You have to get to the close. You've got to close the deal. But listen to me. Don't think that evangelism is, is all good, all bad, all paid, let's pray in, in five or ten minutes. If, if you get there, you get that's an awesome thing. People are getting saved right out, right, right out of the gate. But today, for the most part, if you're engaged in it, you know what I'm telling you is true. Joe knows. Those of you who are engaged, Tom, you know. You, you know evangelism is not, for the most part, a single-time event. It's not. It's, it's just not. It takes longer. It takes more engagement of your heart, your soul. It's more relational. It takes, it, and that's just the culture. Sometimes, boom, we're there, and we get, people get saved. But if you're really desiring to do what God, that great commission, it's got to be lived out, and it's going to take some more time in order to get to what? The right to ask this question. Would you like to receive the free gift? You might think it's, I can ask, you can, you can ask anytime you want. I'd rather be invited into that. The gospel is already offensive, right? Right? Of course it is. We don't want to make it any more offensive, and I was very good at that. I was the best. I, I understood what it meant to do the apologetic aspect, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. But I, I stopped the verse there and I left the rest out with gentleness and respect. I didn't have any of that. If we're gentle and we respect, I, I, we talked about it a week or two ago, I, I don't want to offend you. I'd love to talk to you, but I, I don't want to be offensive. It's just, and, and most people that have a heart that they're, they, they're, they're not out to just prove you wrong, they like to talk. And they'll share their heart. And you'll be amazed at how far you can get in a short period of time and talking at a heart level. Invite to church. Here's the key. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name. That means they're in the church. The church baptizes. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then what? What's the next step after baptism? Teaching. Teaching them to obey everything that I commanded. 
Baptizing and teaching is understood in the context of the local church. Next thing, things to remember, start on your knees and stay on your knees. This is Dr. Kennedy's quote. Commit yourself to faithfully pray for a genuine explosion of evangelism worldwide. And then I've added, and pray it begins with you. Things to remember, keep planting and watering knowing that God supplies the increase. Invite everyone. Listen to this one. This is an easy one, especially this time of the year for Easter. Invite everyone to hear your pastor speak. Hand out invite cards. We'll have those invite cards at the workshops. And just invite people to church. It's just easy to get them to come. Be ready to share your personal testimony. Don't miss this. The number one way to connect with this cultural context, young people, you know this. You don't want to hear propositions. What do you want to hear? Stories. They want to connect with a story. They'll connect with your story. Go and tell them what the Lord has done for you. You've got to know your testimony. Well, I don't have much. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. We'll walk through it. We'll get you a three-minute testimony, not an hour. You want the guy, oh, man. Three minutes. What happened? What did the Lord do? That's powerful to have a testimony. Go and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Your story is God's story of, people say, I don't see miracles today. Oh, I see them all the time. What's, What's a miracle? Somebody being raised from death to life. Amen? Miracles every week. People getting saved every week all over the world, every day, all over the world, people getting saved. That's a miracle. The dead are being raised to life. And we're called to be a part of that. Always, listen, here's one for you. I speak to people all the time. You know what their expectation is? I'm going to go share Jesus, but I know they're not going to receive him. Ready for this? Always expect a positive response. Don't, Don't go like this. You get a chance to talk to somebody, and then you get to a point where you wouldn't want to receive Jesus, would you? Just by chance, expect a positive response. And if you don't get it, remember what Dr. Kennedy said, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting him. Don't worry about it. If they say no, say, just a thought, say thank you for listening. If you're thinking about it later and you have any questions, you can call this number. We're going to give you the Live4G card. And they can call the church. They can call us. They might have, because again, the goal is what? To get them thinking. Thinking. And then they ask a question or two, and and you'd be surprised. I'm handing out stuff, and people are following up. I'll get a text out of the blue, get an email. I get a contact and see, you know, I was thinking about that. And they know, at some point, they know I'm a pastor. So they know I got a hidden agenda. You, they won't know. You can slip in. Remember, no is a rejection of the gospel. Give the DE gospel track. We have gospel tracks that'll be ready when we head to Honduras. We're working on those, but you'll have those too. You'll be able to hand out the gospel track. All good, all bad, all paid. Let's pray. Always exit with Christ-like love and grace. And here's C.S. Lewis, our final quote. Ready for this? I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it. I see everything else. Oh, if I could write like that. By it, I see everything else by the truths of the gospel. Next week, we'll more personal interaction, and then we're we're done. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, so many who were able to stick it out and and, and to be here. One more week to go before we get to Holy Week. Lord, all we want to do is just be be faithful. We're not concerned with fruitful. You'll, You'll handle that. But we want to be faithful. We just, we just want to share Jesus, and we want to do it in a way that just tells people how, how amazing it is to have a relationship with Christ. Bless everyone here. Bless them in, in, in their conversation now in the small groups, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Glory be to God.
Garrick, my man. All right, men to the fellowship hall.